everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're bringing you episode 108 of the AMP. I feel like this is too many. We're done after this one, right? Yeah, I think so. We should uh, just leave everybody hanging with those last three chapters of Vigilantes. Like, they don't matter, right? We should read them on their own. That's why we really exist, is to point people towards it. We've held their hands until the last three chapters, and then it's like, <laughs> we're gonna push go you into fly, the baby end. birds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't need us anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You don't need us. You never needed us, but we liked the fact that you had us. That's right. Uh, and it continues to blow my mind that as many people, uh, you know, pay attention and are keeping up with all things My Hero Academia with us and have chosen to do so with us. Yeah, thank you. It's great that you've chosen us. We enjoy it. We are, we really do love making this podcast. Like, I'm in the midst of a huge move right now, and so Kyo Cinema, our other podcast child is what I'm going to call it, is on hold because, you know, it's uh, not as important as this one. I'm not putting this one on hold. Like, we're going to keep doing stuff. We're going to keep making content. So we, we really do. We love we love doing this, and the fact that we've got a bunch of folks that love it with us is just awesome. Yeah, we don't want to upset hundreds of you. We'd rather just upset, like, Three or four of you. Yeah, three or four <laughs> tops with Kyo Cinema. But hey, maybe Nobody Kyo tweets Cinema... at us because of Kyo Cinema taking a break. Yeah, Kyo Cinema might, uh, might branch out eventually. Maybe we'll get some more listeners over there. Yeah, we'll see. If not, who cares? We're still going to talk about DBZ oh stuff, God, yeah. even if the only people listening is us two and like two people from the Discord who haven't seen a like lick of Dragon Ball Z listens. and are trying to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of new DBZ stuff, uh, Xenoverse 3 got confirmed. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've honestly, um, full disclosure, I've not found a single Dragon Ball game outside of Dock and Battle, um, which we're not going to talk about, that I actually invested any measure of time into. And I've tried a ton of them over the years. It's just that fighting games aren't my jam or my wheelhouse. Like, I'm fine at them, but they're not the thing that I want to sit down to. And I know that that's what Xenoverse largely is. I even tried, like, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot looked freaking dope. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, still it's pretty cool. for me. I like that one. I thought that one was pretty pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I think I dumped a lot of time into that Budokai games that were coming out on the PlayStation 2. Like, way too much time as a kid. But yeah, outside of that, I'm kind of with you. But Xenoverse has been fun, so I'm looking forward to that one. So have you played both? One yeah, and two? I, I never beat two. Uh, I played one, and I really enjoyed it. Two had some kind of wonky mechanics that, like... If you made a character and didn't realize that you had to dump all your stats basically into like one specific like attribute, you would get to a point in the game where you just couldn't beat the main storyline. And that was exactly what happened to me. And I did not want to have to go back through and start over from the beginning. So I was like, eh, screw it. Interesting. Yeah. I was trying to build a really balanced character. Turns out you shouldn't do that in the DBZ world. Guess you get a Yamcha, you know? Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, just fighting games have just never really grabbed me. I mean, it they just it and it that kind of stinks because some of my favorite franchises are just people fighting. Yeah, that's <laughs> I can't true. get into the video games. I've always really wanted a like new Smash Brothers that has more characters to it, if that makes sense, or like maybe a different like media genre. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love Smash Brothers, but but I'd like to see that just done with other characters. And there's not been another version of that that even gets close to it. So kind of a bummer. Yeah, I can understand that disappointment. I mean, you're, you're what you're wanting is for like Goku to fight Mario. Why not? Yeah, sure. I mean, they were in the Olympics together this past uh, year. Goku and Mario? Yeah, because it was in Japan. They were wait how like in a parade or something? Like yeah, I, I, I think, know that they've been in like the Macy's Day probably. Yeah, together. yeah. No, I I think that they just did have some like uh, Mario and Dragon Ball Z themed things around the Olympics. So oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. It was a joke. It fell flat. Don't blame me. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I uh, I teased this on uh, in our Discord at least. I don't think I said anything on the Twitter. But crazy things happen to me. Um, I think at some point on this podcast, I've told the story about being attacked by a fox. Am I mistaken about that? I, no. I mean, I've heard the story about you being abandoned on like Machu Picchu. Uh, I think that's what it was. But I, not one of you being chased by a fox. Machu Picchu? Yeah. What is that? The uh, Incan, uh, you know, building. Or not building, but like historical site, right? No, no, no. What? Yeah, in no. Peru. Was that not you? No. <laughs> What? Who do you know that's been abandoned at Machu Picchu? I thought you. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's not one me. Well, I've dang. never been to Peru. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, tell us your crazy story, Adkins. <laughs> okay, I'll ha- I, if, if I haven't told the fox story, I'll save it for later because this one is fresher. It literally happened to me just the other day. <laughs> so, oh man, I'm a youth pastor. So like when interesting things happen to me, I think it's great. Other people are like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I was like, well, I did what I did, and it makes for a good story. I'll turn it into a sermon at some point. Um, so, like, I, I've been, like, hit by a car. Like, as a pedestrian, I've been hit by a car. And the person who hit me was, like, freaking out, crying, having a panic attack. And I was like, it's cool. I got a good story out of this. It's fine, you know. Um, so, the other day, uh, I pull up into my house, and I'm a very security-minded individual. I'm never unarmed, for instance, um, in some way, shape, or form. I do carry non-lethal means of self-defense, to be to be clear. Uh, but my home is always locked, every window, every door, even when I'm inside, and I have several cameras uh, outside of my house as well that will alert my phone if it senses movement. Um, and I drove up to my house, and I have a very long driveway, and as I was turning into my carport, I noticed movement in my rearview mirror, and it was a shirtless man in like uh, like a woodland camo cargo shorts jumping over the fence into my backyard. What? Um, <laughs> so I see him do this, and when he does, I see his back. He kind of lifts himself over and then spins himself over the fence, which is you know that's how a lot of people clear the fence. You end up turning yourself 180 as you clear it. So I saw his back. Um, because he didn't have a shirt, I noticed he didn't have anything tucked into his waistband on the back. And then as he approached me, he had nothing tucked into the waistband on the front. And I could see his hands at all times. So he comes at me. Um, and he stops about 10, 12 feet away. I wasn't terribly threatened, but I was alert and wary. And this is when he does the incredible. He, I, I say that he drew finger guns on me. <laughs> Okay. That because it's the closest thing to a description that that people will grasp readily. What he did actually was more like draw an invisible gun and point it at me with his finger through the trigger guard. So if you imagine like if you clasp your hands together as if you were holding uh, a, a a a small arm, yeah. you know, a pistol, and then you have your you know your dominant hand's finger through that trigger guard. That's what he did. Um, he approaches me with an invisible gun in his hands uh, and points it at my chest um, and, you know, 10, 12 feet away. And he demands that I give him a ride. And so I was like, all right, bro. So I'm trying to deescalate things because I realize I'm far more armed than he is. Whether he believes so or not is fine. And I never, you know, uh, broadcast how armed or not I am at any moment. But he's threatening me with his little invisible gun. Uh, And he's like, you're going to give me a ride. And I was like, are you okay? Because he looked very sweaty um, and he was out of breath. And I was like, do you need a bottle of water? I have a little outdoor fridge. 
It's like, it's right here. If you don't mind, I'll reach and grab you a bottle of water. We can cool down. Uh, if you need a towel to dry off, you're awfully sweaty, I'll go inside and get you one. If you need a shirt, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like how, yeah, like what anything do you need? at this point. What's yeah. wrong? Um, and so over the course of the next couple minutes, I kind of calmed him down and got a little bit of a story that I didn't believe at all, but he just, he wanted a bottle of water and he wanted a ride. Um, to, to be clear, listeners, there are better ways to ask for both of those things than drawing an invisible gun on somebody. Um, but that's the tactic that he chose. And I guess it was effective because I did give him a bottle of water and a ride. Fair. Um, but when I, when I was taking him to where he wanted to go in town, he had this like moment of clarity <laughs> and he was like, I don't know what I was thinking with the whole gun thing back there. What? <laughs> like he said like, that out loud. He just said that out loud? <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, to be fair, you, I, I was not for a split second threatened by you or anything that you did. Um, and so we had a good laugh about it. I mean, we, we had a, an honest to God chuckle about this thing as I was driving him to where he wanted to go in town. That uh, is really strange. It's the strangest thing ever. And so the, the disappointing thing about this is that uh, those cameras outside of my house, um, one of uh, they're all ring cameras. And the one on the back, I had advanced motion settings or some such on. And because of that, uh, the range that it is particularly sensitive to is diminished, I guess. Because when you look at the clip of this happening, you can see this dude. His name is Don. Hi, Don, if you're listening to the AMP. Um, he, you can see him jump into my backyard over my fence. And you see me get out of my car with my, you know, I, I was quartered towards him. I let him know as soon as I got out of the car that I'd seen him. He wasn't surprising me. Um, and then the video stops because the range of the advanced motion settings on that camera was only such that uh, it it caught my car and not my head rising out of the other side of the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a couple cameras that you do the same thing. Like you can set like the area that you want it to focus yeah. in on or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And so because I had the advanced motion settings, it caught up to that point. And then because it didn't sense motion within the assigned area, it stopped recording because hot damn, I wish I had video of this guy threatening me with an, with a, an invisible gun and, and had caught the conversation that took, that transpired between us. It was so bizarre. Um, It feels very like, almost like Seinfeld situation level. You know what I mean? Just, just, yeah, that sounds crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, of course I immediately am like calling some friends and I'm (laughs) being hyperbolic, like guys, you will not believe what happened. I just got held up and they're like, what do you mean? Like you're, you're going to be late. And I was like, no, Somebody held me up and they're like, what? Are you okay? And I was like, well, they, they did so with finger guns. And then, every, <laughs> and then, then there's a million questions, right? Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, man, it was, it was so bizarre. I told my dad, uh, you know, I, was, I called him, he was the first person that I called and I was like, you won't believe what just happened. Somebody tried to hold me up at home, like in the driveway. And he was like, did you shoot him? Like, he's like, do I need to call 911 and come? Right. And I was sure, like, no yeah. dad, that's what you would do. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Like, that I, I didn't want to answer a non-violent presence with a violent response. Um, yeah, that honestly, that guy's necessary. lucky that you were the one that he walked up on, really. Oh, yeah. Where I live? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I responded rationally. Now, if he had diminished the distance between us or actually had a weapon, I might have responded differently. But as it was, unless he had, you know, something in his pockets, yeah, I was, I was fine. And he didn't, he didn't closed the distance at all. So I tried to de-escalate things and it worked and I got him to where he wanted to go. The only <laughs> and thing hydrated that, the man. Yeah. 
The only thing that would have made that story any crazier is if you had told me that when he heard you talk, he stopped and was like, hey, aren't you that guy from the AMP? (laughs) (laughs) I know you. Yeah, like, oh, and then he puts the gun down and is like, oh, let's talk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Jeez, that's nuts, man. So bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, The wildest things happen to me, I swear. And you're sure you've not been trapped on Machu Picchu? Yeah, I'm confident. I've never been anywhere near Machu Picchu. (laughs) My craziest stories are being attacked by the rabid fox, uh, being hit by the car, and now being threatened with a a (laughs) non-gun. Yeah, wow. Wow. So, yeah. Wild stuff. Uh, So, if you you care to hear, uh, you know, the story, uh, more elaborations on me being hit by a car, or me being attacked by the rabid fox, I swore I'd toned that at some point on the AMP, but... If I if you don't if you haven't heard it, then I must not have. So if you're curious about those things, just tweet us or tell us in the Discord, Mike. We need more crazy stories, and I'll share what I've got. This is when like all of our listeners are going to tweet at us and expose how terrible of a friend I am that I don't remember your Fox story. Yeah, they're going to be like, oh yeah, Atkins <laughs> totally told that story, man. Exactly. <laughs> I think that if you if you hear it, that you cannot not recall this thing. Um, okay. Okay. It might it might be the craziest thing that has ever happened to me, including finger guns, man. This could be our new AMP segment, story time with Atkins. Story times. Yeah. Story time with Atkins. <laughs> so, uh, all of that, uh, let's, let's pivot that. If you, if you want to hear more of this, um, join us in, in these spaces where you can let us know these things. Um, follow us on Twitter at almighty pod or, uh, well, and if also, if you do that, you can uh, check the pin tweet and it has a link to our discord. We've had some, uh, some new folks join us in the discord, uh, just in the last week or so. Raw 32 has joined. Thunderstorm has joined. Petron has joined and they've all done so because we fixed the links. Um, that's our, that's our bad, uh, some our of bad. Them. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not um, all of them. Not yet, but some of them. Yeah. But they're, they're working from like 107, at least in the last episode forward. You can you can join the Discord successfully now. <laughs> so you're welcome, I guess. Absolutely. And we appreciate all those folks that are joining. It's cool to see new faces. I know I've not been nearly as uh, active as Atkins is, but I do pay attention. I like to lurk. Yeah, and if you join us in either one of those spaces, or if you have a working email address uh, or account, you can enter yourself into our ongoing giveaway. Adam, why don't you smack them with some details for that? Yeah, basically all you need to do is just shoot us an email, a tweet, say something in the Discord. You can even DM us in the Discord if you need to, and let us know basically like what one of your favorite moments from Vigilantes was. You can include like a panel or a chapter or even an entire, you know, book or volume if you want. You just let us know. We want to know what your favorite thing about Vigilantes was, what was your favorite scene or moment or what have you. And uh, we'll enter you in to win this really awesome, awesome painting it's like a digital painting that we had done uh from a really really incredible artist named is it liquid purple am i getting that right Mm -hmm. i mean this this is a beautiful piece of work uh so we are going to do our best to if you are in the u.s get you maybe like a canvassed version of this or potentially if you're outside the u.s get you a digital copy of some kind so that way you can get your own canvas and we will help you out uh so we're very excited about this uh i hear that uh you may or may not have bought some keychains from liquid death or liquid purple there Liquid Death. Uh, no, yeah, Liquid Purple also has an Etsy store. I think we've linked it in previous episodes. We may do uh, do so again. And uh, she sells keychains of uh, several My Hero Academia Vigilantes characters. She's looking to branch out based on how well these things sell. So I know she's got a Koichi uh, and a Pop and a Six, uh, and they're acrylic, and they're cool. They're, like, double-sided. So, like, my Pop keychain, which is the one that I wanted because I wanted B-Pop, um, has like pop star step on one side and then uh, B pop on the other. 
Um, and it, she basically takes the same like outline, uh, and just has a different skin for it on both sides. Really, really neat. Um, and then also when you order it from her store, she, there's a little field that's like, I'm going to give you a, a, like a, a, a sketch of whatever character that you, uh, that you want on a, on a little post-it note. And so of course I asked for not, not Aizawa folks, but Compass Kid because Compass Kid for life. And so I have an awesome a sticky note sized, uh, one of a kind drawing. I'm sure they're the only person in the world who's ever requested custom commissioned art of Compass Kid. <laughs> How long was he <laughs> so, around for? All of like two chapters, maybe? Yeah, maybe. But oh man, we I loved him dearly while he was around. Um, <laughs> so I have a cool Compass Kid uh, post-it note size sketch. And you can have whatever character that you would like a sketch for you by uh, Liquid Purple as well. If you order one of those keychains, I think they're going for about 14 bucks. And that I think that includes shipping, but I could be wrong. But yeah, check her, check her store out. It's great. And enter the contest to win this canvas thing for free because Adam and I have paid for it. Yes, we are very excited. I th- Man, I was so stoked when you sent me the picture of, of that painting. Like it is, I say painting, it's, it's digital, but it looks like a painting. It's just so freaking good. It's incredible. It really is. And it could be yours if you send us an email or tweet at us or hit us up in the Discord, uh, either in a DM or in the Almighty uh, channel of BPN's dis- Discord, which is what you will join, uh, and let us know, and then you'll you'll be entered to win that exquisite piece by Liquid Purple. But we need to march steadily towards the end of Vigilantes. Um, yeah. We have stalled successfully for 17 minutes. Almost 18. <laughs> I was about to say, man, we're 18 minutes in, and we've not even talked about Vigilantes yet. To be fair, though, these two chapters, I don't want to call them short, but they're snappy. Like, they're, there's really only a couple of big beats in them, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, and they're they're great chapters. I, I think that something that I posited or guessed um, will come true by the end of these two chapters. Um, so we'll discuss that when we wrap these things up. But we are covering chapters 122 and 123 of My Hero Academia uh, Vigilantes, this episode of the AMP. So if you haven't read those things, and if you're jumping onto the AMP for some reason at episode 108, well, welcome, of course. Weird place to join. Uh, so back up until you find the initials, Vigilantes coverage, and catch up. Read this manga because it's excellent. And 30% of you, according to this impromptu and definitely not a uh, large enough sample size to be representative, truthfully, uh, poll takers on our Twitter account, 30% of people who are deep into My Hero proper are not reading Vigilantes in that feels like a mind-blowing stat to me even with a small representative size sample size yeah you should you should go read vigilantes it's really good like we've definitely enjoyed it even more so than the my hero proper at times i think we've said at times throughout the entire podcast really like multiple times we've been like man this is just killing it right now and when it's not we talk about that too because you know sometimes there are lows but you know every high has to have a low right I mean, I guess ideally it wouldn't, but well, yeah, I mean, know. that tends to be the case. That's how life works, though. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, Let's get into chapter uh, chapter slash episode 122, uh, which is called Two Great Rivals. Yeah, we uh, introduce ourselves or intro into this chapter with a plate of spaghetti is what it looks like. Or maybe it's a bowl of ramen. I guess it could be ramen. But it is a an abandoned plate, uh, and we have a waitress that's asking, you know, whether or not she should box that up because it's from that one guy's table who's always rushing off. 
And of Who course, could that be? Yeah, I know. Like, uh, it, it's a dead giveaway. If you've been reading anything, my hero, you know that this has got to be All Might. And uh, we we see the boss. She's looking up at the TV screen, and it's the Naruhata blackout that is happening. And they're showing this camera. It, it has to be the camera from that helicopter. You know, just yep. this devastating scene of of six and this giant form just taking out Naruhata, and everything's on fire. And they're talking about how just destructive this villain really is and then we kind of zoom in on that scene and we see all the bystanders running around and the heroes are there they're trying to kind of direct the traffic of these individuals fleeing the scene but we have those little six monsters blowing up like all around the place yeah i like too that um in in the initial kind of close up zoom in as the second page of this particular chapter it says that we're this is the reporter speaking we're being told that the heroes responding to the crisis are currently requesting any backup that they can get um it's the cavalry's cavalry which i believe was the episode the episode title of 107 for us and you can also see if you're paying close attention to that particular page arthur the aardvark seems to have taken up residency (laughs) in naruhada yeah uh, bottom right hand corner i see that that's awesome Fleeing for his life. Uh, but yeah, Team Edithin uh, looks to be in charge largely of the logistics of uh, trying to move citizens uh, to places of safety. They are backed up, of course, by the knockoff X-Men uh, and also the Hoda Bros Cafe uh, staff as they are uh, using their quirks, wh- whichever quirks that they have to the best of their abilities, kind of wrangle. Is that the right term? Uh, I would say so. Yeah, Usher, for sure. I mean, they're basically just telling people like, hey, go this way. The main road's that way. Keep going. Follow us. You know, trying to keep people in line. Uh, And it almost feels like uh, like the Disney trams, if you've ever been to Disney. Mm -hmm. And then, (laughs) did you see that we finally get an answer to a several episodes long question uh, for the AMP in this particular episode? Because as one of the little six fractions, I'm going to call it. That's actually a really good like description, man. Kudos, I like that. Yeah. Um, it so if you if you missed the last episode, big giant six plasma being man um, in his destruction form. I, I think I might be getting the uh, the term wrong there, but he he has broken off into several smaller bits, um, and those more human sized pieces of him, which I'm going to call fractions from here on out are scattering all over Naruhata, the district. And they're basically exploding with whatever they come into contact with. And one of these things has closed in on some, uh, some citizens. It looks like he might be wearing a, uh, uh, a, one of the Marukani, not, not Marukani. What's the, what's the name of the crabs? Uh, shoot. Oh, you remember the crabs? I do, but I don't, he, it, 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 you're really close though. Yeah. He, uh, shoot, I forget. Somebody will correct us because we forget things all the time. But he's wearing one of the cool crab hats. And Edshot intervenes, uh, and it looks like he gets blown up. And the, the citizens react appropriately, um, believing that Edshot had sacrificed his life for theirs. But instead, he pulls a Naruto and uses uh, substitution jutsu. Which, like, now that I've seen it, I feel kind of dumb. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> we had so many episodes where we were just like, what is that? And... I mean, yeah, that makes sense. He's a freaking ninja, and he's using a substitution jutsu. Like, of course, that's what that is. I don't know why I didn't even consider that to be an option. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's effective. I mean, it works almost all the time in Naruto as well. Um, and in this case, what the result is, once the dust settles or this thing uh, officially explodes, uh, is that there is a block of wood, uh, like a... 
uh, maybe not a block. It, it's a piece of a log, rounded still, uh, that has a bit of Ed Shot's costumes uh, around it. And we had made like mention when, back when we saw like Ida's helmet and what else did we see? Something indicative of best genus. And then we just saw like logs dressed up like uh, like Russian nesting dolls, kind of, I think is maybe how I had described yeah. that. Yeah, and we were like, what is this? Like, we knew it had something to do with Ed Shot, though. At least we were kind of on the right track. Yeah, we did. Um, we, well, it, and we only got there by process of um, elimination there. Yeah. Because that's the only way that we could... We were like, it has to be Edshot, right? Like, that's the only thing that's left. What's, the only uh, hero uh, that that's there. What's funny about this panel, though, is like the very next one is basically this, this massive building that's splitting from the stress. And it looks like almost even potentially... Oh, no, that's, that's not uh, Six's hand. That's a woman's hand here in front of the building. But it's breaking and it's about to fall in my mind. I was like, is he going to like substitute out the building for a massive log? And then these people are just going to die from that? But, but no, it's it's best genius. He comes in and uses his outfit to like basically sew that building back together and keep it upright. But in my mind, thinking it was Ed Shot doing another substitution was just cracking me up. <laughs> I wondered too. I meant to look this up. Does best genius's quirk allow him to modify the the characteristics of the thread that he controls, or is denim strong enough to hold up a building all by itself the way that he's got it wrapped? It looks like he's got so much of it wrapped around that I assumed that it was just because he, of how much he's got, but I, cause he I don't only, think he, he's only using what he has on him and not even all of it. He's, he, he leaves his little like gator piece on or his like denim turtleneck bit, but um, he's apparently completely nude otherwise. So I thought that that was kind yeah, of an interesting choice. Like if that he seems, yeah, that seems like a wild choice, right? Yeah, like he he's I'm I'm thinking this could be like a boys scenario here where maybe the the heroes aren't so heroy after all. <laughs> he like, he chose to let everything else go first. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. If like l- listen, if I were best genius, I'm 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 fairly modest, not not you know, afraid of like being in a communal shower at a gym or whatever, but if I were a pro hero in this particular situation, I feel like I would have prioritized some other threads to be, you know, remaining on my person, not the bit covering my face. Is he trying to live like the anonymous life? Is he Batmaning it up right here? Is that no. what's going on? No, no way. He like often appears in front of the public. He runs an agency. There's no way. But always with the little denim face thing on. I think he's just. Have we seen his face emo? ever? Maybe he's just like a, like he, he's into the goth scene or the emo scene or something. I feel like that's like a thing, right? He is kind of like a weird, like almost like a reverse never nude. You know what never nudes are from um, Arrested Development? No, I've never. Have we talked about this never before. Never watched Arrested Development. Oh my gosh! I know. You've not seen so much, so many good things. <laughs> and um, it's because I'm working. You still all the haven't time. watched the thing yet either, have you? Uh, well, no, it's not October yet. Oh yeah, you did say that. Okay, so um, back on track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in Arrested Development, there is a guy who uh whose name is Tobias and he's a never nude which means he can never be naked not even by himself like in the shower and in order to maintain that never nudeness what he wears is a pair of like denim shorts that are cut off really really short um and but he wears them around you know the the precious bits so like best genus in this is a never nude only the thing that he doesn't want ever exposed is his neck and lower face i guess that's yeah, I guess so. I, I googled his quirk real quick just to see, and it doesn't mention anything about being able to manipulate those those fibers. It says best genus can manipulate fibers at will as long as the person is wearing clothes, which I feel like that's like it doesn't have to be their clothes, so I'm not sure why they 
worded it that way. But regardless, he can unravel a part of his clothes into fabric strings and can use them to restrain targets. This quirk works better on denim rather than sweats. That's all it says. Hmm. So, so nothing about changing the properties. Because we know that he can also manipulate like steel cable or was it carbon fiber that he used at the um, the Tokyo Sky Egg incident. Yeah, but I don't see anything in here um, kind of trying to stay spoiler-free off of the wiki, so I'm just looking at the top yeah, half there. Yeah, it's hard. I know. I avoided it. Yeah, but but lot. I don't see anything in here. It says he can manipulate his threads to move very fast, far, thin enough to be nearly invisible, and strong enough to easily bind even Nomus. So I guess it, he's saying he can at least make them stronger, but man, enough yeah. to keep a building up? That seems pretty crazy. Yeah, the little bit that he had just on his person is it, that's all we're shown. At least maybe he has snatched, you know, the hem of some skirts around him or something. But he, everybody you know, inside like, that building is nude now. Yeah, well, I mean, like if you wrapped me up in, you know, quarter inch denim cord, I like that would be hard to get out of if you wrap me up enough. Um, but a building that seems that seems strange to me, but uh, the people around him are telling him to put some damn clothes on, which is great, but he seems unperturbed. He's not in, uh, he's not a, a, a supremely modest individual. He's fine with uh, letting it all hang out, I guess. Yeah. He seems uh, to be totally cool with it. And we're let into the mind of Koichi a bit. He's hanging out on the side of the building with Aizawa. I love this panel so much. Oh my gosh. Um, I know it's really cool. And Koichi is starting to realize that the, the little fractions, just seem to be pretty haphazard, like they don't really have a plan or a goal of their own. Um, and he's wondering where the guy inside of the larger body, six, like where that consciousness has gone. Yeah, and then Aizawa is like kind of paying attention, but only half so. It seems like he's more focused on the crowd, and it, it almost seems like something is coming out from beneath the ground, and he flies towards it. But before we're able to determine what he's going after, we transition over to Endeavor, who I think that was what we left off on uh, from that last chapter. Yeah. So, you know, I almost, dropping out of the sky. I almost always say we pick up where we left off. Notice I didn't this time, because we Not did. Quite. I did. I noticed. I just didn't want to interrupt your your flow. Well, I appreciate that. I did it on my own. <laughs> but here we are with Endeavor. He is uh, falling onto the scene, literally like falling out of the sky. And uh, they're talking about how basically like he is going to get in here and he is going to effectively take out everything, all of these villains while minimizing the damage. And uh, it's like hard to even believe that he would do something like that just because of how destructive he can be. Uh, but before he's able to get any further, it's like this glimmer off in the distance. And apparently Zuko can see it. Uh, and it's so funny because you and I know, and if you're reading this, you know exactly what's about to happen, but it seems like Endeavor also knows, because we get this one panel where he must hear something. I don't know how he knows, but his face is just very telling of like, ah, oh, crap, here he comes. My favorite thing about this, so I think we had mentioned previously that this All Might mechanic is kind of like how the One Punch Man mechanic works in whatever video game it is, where if you put him on your team... He, he is like running steadily towards the scene of this fight, right? Um, and then when he gets there, it's like he's one punch man. So if you land a punch, I guess you win. Um, so we've reached that time where that timer's up and All Might's on the scene. And there's this awesome panel where when he's he zips through the sky between Endeavor and Burnin as they're, I guess, descending on the scene. And the, 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 the flyby is so fast that it actually extinguishes the flames on half of Endeavor's face. Yeah, how cool is that? That's so awesome. Uh, and he, he does the all might thing. He says, have no fear. I am here, of course. And he's doing all sorts of smashes, uh, in the process. And what he's doing is he's smashing the fractions up into the air. And then we've get this cool two page spread where there are like, 
a dozen All Mights um, on the page at once, um, at, indica- like indicating how quickly he is moving relative to our ability to perceive him. And so he bops all of these guys up into the sky uh, and then Endeavor does the Endeavor thing where he uses flash fire fist, a prominence burn, and just toasts all of them. Oh, it's such a in cool In one scene. big shot. Yeah. Like, I never considered this a combo, really, because it's not like they talk to each other about it. But this, if it was a planned combo in the future at any point in time, would be one of the coolest. Like, using All Might to get everybody up in the air in one centralized location, away from all of the crowds, all of the buildings, and then having Endeavor just totally melt them. What a cool combo. And it's cool. Like, I don't, I agree. I don't think that they sat around and talked about this combination, but I do think that All Might's tactical mind is sharp enough that in the time that he had to, uh, like, analyze what was going on, not just who was on the scene hero wise, including Endeavor, whom he passed, um, but also the threat on the ground, that in that split second, even as fast as he was moving, he was thinking equally as fast, if not faster, to, to decide, okay, here's the best, quickest, most efficient way to neutralize this threat. I'm going to bop them up into the air and trust that Endeavor knows what to do from there and that he will do it. Yeah. Um, and so he executes that plan without a word of uh, discussion between the two. And that's that's just, that's cool on uh, All Might's part from that tactician standpoint. Dude, it's why he's number one. You know what I mean? It like is. this is what sets him aside from everybody else. He's he's at that layer, at that level of just like so much better than everyone else that he knew exactly what he needed to do before he even landed there. Uh, yeah, in this case, it's like All Might is totally fine with the assists and uh, letting Endeavor rack up that that boss KD spread. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you know that like All Might is also probably thinking like eh, that pissed him off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. like totally, totally a double edged sword there. So yeah, uh, well. At the bottom of this page, we get to see uh, All for One himself is like standing there, you know, not not there. I don't think I still think this is like piped through six somehow, Uh, but he's talking like frustratedly about how All Might's back. He's saving the day. Another crisis averted. You know, it's just leaving that all too familiar bitter taste in his mouth is what he says. And um, I can only imagine that frustration of, of just like having this guy always ruining your plans, even if they're evil in this case. But just knowing that, like, you can't get away with anything because he's always right there keeping you from that. Wh- whatever it is that you need. Yeah. And he's standing over what is what is left of six. Um, Very little. There wasn't much physical left to six. Um, it, he was largely plasma for the last several chapters. But his rib cage, um, part of his spinal column, and his skull and jaw are still intact, and he's standing over uh, that that remnant of what used to be six, what still is six. Um, and he says, "I must commend you for your creativity. Not many could outmaneuver All Might in the eleventh hour, and now no one can stop you because, as of this moment, the world is your oyster, number six. And he is able to manifest, or I guess." coalesce again, um, draw a little bit more plasma uh, to his person so that he kind of takes on that humanoid shape once more. And that's the end of chapter 122. It is. Man, that that last panel of him standing there is pretty horrific. Like, it looks like his skeleton has, like, morphed around what used to be his brain. I mean, it's grotesque almost. Yeah, it's it's also beautiful at the same time. Like, the the visuals and the art in these two chapters, top shelf. Oh, yeah. Uh, across all of Vigilantes, for sure. Totally, totally. 
Well, jumping right into 123, we are pretty much like introduced to all of the bystanders on what I imagine would be more the outskirts of Naruhata. Like they don't look like they're in the midst of the main fire. Nothing is on fire directly around them. And this is where we see uh, present Mike and the crew that he was with. I can't remember the main guy's name. It was like, I feel like it was something silly, like Thunder Fists or something. Man, you had it right on the tip of your tongue last time we recorded. And I was was shocked. Yeah, you were like, oh, this is so-and-so. But it might have been printed on the page. Probably to, like to be fair, that was my secret. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man! But present Mike is up there announcing to everybody that like, hey, you know the the villains are blowing up this old neighborhood. You got smacked down by all might in no time flat. Like things are gonna be okay. You know we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to get out here and take care of business, basically. And he's telling folks to go home if they can, and if not, go haul out for a hero. We'll help you get back to your place. Uh, and then we we kind of continue to see like all of these teams working with each other. We've got like the Edenton team basically going through, and he's. It seems like he's pretty much like instructing new volunteers that are there. So maybe like C ranked heroes. I know there's not like a ranking system in that perspective, but I imagine probably like local heroes that aren't as uh, big news as he is or present Mike or someone else. And, or they're just extensions of team Edaton itself. Could you know, be like one of his hundreds of sidekicks. One of them has a straight up Nest controller on his on back. His back on, yeah. On this page too. Yeah. yeah I think the, like the guy to his right just has what looks like a flashlight taped to a, like a bike helmet. <laughs> it looks like he's got a miner's helmet on and then like a, a kerchief around his neck yeah. or an ascot. <laughs> yeah. We we also see them like saving a little kid from some rubble here. It looks like uh, Aizawa. Aizawa. Yeah, Aizawa's on scene helping out. Uh, and he's trying to see if anyone is left inside the biz- uh, or the building. But no, it's just that one family and they're thanking him. And he he's kind of harsh, really. He's like, save your breath. Focus on getting to safety. And I imagine that coming from him, you know, if you're like a little kid or... Even if you're just one of these folks that have been in this this awful event, I would want a little bit more uh, nicety, I'm going to say, from him. Like, come on, man. I, I about died. Don't just brush me off, if that makes sense. Yeah, as I was, bedside manner has never been, that's not. like, you know, A-plus passing grade stuff. Let's just be honest. That's that That's not his strength. I think but even President Mike picks up on this. He is trying and he's growing in, in, in this particular, like, circumstance. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I think... Uh, President Mike even kind of picks up on this. He's like, nice job there, good buddy. Almost kind of like, yeah, nice job treating them the way they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, and he, he he's kind of ribbing Aizawa. He's like, rescues are out of your wheelhouse, huh? So running around by your lonesome just ain't rational, I would have thought. He's kind of, he, he knows that that's the word. That's Aizawa's like keyword. It's like uh, the word of the day in like Pee Wee's Playhouse, you know, where all the furniture starts screaming oh, yeah. all at the same time. Yeah, that terrifying um, kid show. I know. I never watched it, but like as a kid, at least, thank God, um, I had enough things scaring me to death besides fearing that the furniture would talk to me. Um, and then we have uh, Aizawa's response, which is just like in a crisis, this is citizen safety is top priority. So this is the rational choice. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's funny because present Mike is just kind of just like, well, you know, it's glad to see that you still got the inner energy to rationalize like that, you know, keep helping out basically. And then he says, we'll catch up later uh, to which the guy he's with is just like, Oh, come on, man. Like I can't even ditch you yet. Uh, now I thought this was weird. Cause he does like present Mike tells Aizawa to, to not to forget to look out for the crawler, but he's been doing that the whole time. Like, I'm not sure why he would even mention that or bring it up. Cause it's definitely like, Aizawa's always got that on his mind. Um, even though we did just see him jump away from the crawler or the, you know, he was helping out these people here. So it's, it is weird though. Cause I would have expected like in that bottom panel, I had a note about this. 
on on one of those buildings in the background, it would have been cool to see Koichi like hanging out, still watching. If that makes sense, because it seems like he just jumped down from one of these buildings to save these folks. Yeah, and that may be that just present Mike didn't see the two of them buddied up, you know, as flies on the wall of a building together. True. Um, yeah. And so he's he's still as, but he should still know that. Of course, I's always going to be keeping an eye out for the crawler. Uh, at the same time, like he's he cannot possibly be unaware of their history or or even kind of glancing relationship maybe that's all that Aizawa sold it as um but the crawler is also a person of extreme interest still at this point right yeah for all the pro heroes totally yeah there's no way he doesn't know about something there uh, especially since he's kind of been around you know for the whole shirakumo experience like he knows Aizawa i would say intimately in the sense that he's like yeah i know that you have this desire to teach and to lead even if you don't think you do it's there. And so he's seeing that kind of fruition come out here with that relationship with Koichi, knowing that he's like trying to get him into the school system too, you know? Yep. Then we catch back up with Six, who uh, his plasma seems to have run out. And this is the kind of voiceover work that we get from All for One, um, where he says, without enough bomber cells, your combustion ended before completion, but you should still be capable of achieving your final goal. But what we're about to discover is that what All for One assumes is Six's final goal, or um, what All for One expects, or even maybe even demands um, at, from Six, is not what is delivered by Six. Yeah, these uh, these next few panels are really cool too, because it's like you said, we we kind of have this layover of All for One's thoughts and telling you know six that he can continue going on even without those bomber cells and we see six like moving throughout the crowds and i think the assumption that you're supposed to make here is that he's moving very quickly he's utilizing that quirk to get through these crowds without them even knowing in fact uh all for one even says once again you're the invisible man flitting and weaving into the blind spots of the heroes and the citizenry and mm-hmm. we see him literally doing that, like he is dodging and, and kind of diving in between in all these individuals in the streets. We even see what appears to be potentially him like making it past All Might without All Might catching, because there's a panel there with All Might like in a uh, alleyway, and he's deformed. He's kind of in his small might form, and he's like yep. looking around the corner. Uh, and then that last panel on that page is six up on top of the building. And all for one transitioning into this next scene saying, like, there he is. You found him. One quick strike from behind will end his life. And Koichi's on the side of this building or, like, near the edge of it looking over. Doesn't even know Six is there. And all for one's telling him to be sure to collect that body. He wants to analyze what made Koichi tick. And we see this scene of Six, like, transforming his face like putting back on the face that he's been wearing that that he kind of modeled off after koichi and i think this this definitely takes all for one aback a little bit he's like well, what a, you don't have no need for a face now what are you doing oh my gosh this stuff is so freaking good it really is yeah because let's talk about this for just a second as as we lay the foundation for the scene that is about to unravel here. Uh, like back a page, he says, even that monster, this is all for one, even that monstrous power of yours couldn't eliminate the crawler, but now you can finish the job. And here's the kicker. This is like, if I had a highlighter or uh, were, you know, uh, underlining this stuff, he says, but now you can finish the job and nobody will be the wiser. So all for one has no grasp of Six's motivations whatsoever. And it's evident in that one line. Six has been after notoriety from the start and now all for one saying, well, you can do this thing and nobody will know. They'll just assume that Koichi died in this conflict. And I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, 
that it's like crazy general knowledge of who this giant villain was. Exactly. Who is behind this attack on Naruhada. Um, and so as he's whispering into Koichi's ear, uh, he says, no delay now, kill him for me. That's a direct command. Uh, and then he sees Six kind of swerve um, away from that by putting this face on, creating for himself, again, this identity that makes him somebody or something, even if it's modeled after somebody else, which is all that Six has done this entire time, right? He, he had that uh, this dysfunction, I guess, uh, where he uh, has no ability to kind of see himself for what he is. Right. He's, I think we talked about him as like clay, you know, in the hands of a potter. Uh, but at times he's able to shape that. Um, trying to be O'Clock at times, uh, trying to be Koichi when he's in the uh, Rock Nomura uh, identity. And so he walks up to Koichi with Koichi's face or a facsimile thereof. Um, and Koichi's response is so good. He's like, hey, let's go to the hospital together. You know, um, let's, let's, the two of us, let's go get ourselves taken care of. And that is so freaking Koichi. Oh, it totally is. Like, Uh, he's still extending that hand and trying to, like, befriend this guy. Yeah, gosh. That line, how about we pay a visit to the hospital? The we in that Mm -hmm. um, is is the power of that particular line. What's so amazing, to me at least, is is that the writers of this, we, we are... We know that Koichi is sincere when he says that. That's how incredible yep. this character is and how incredible the writing has been. When we hear that, you and I and the readers, everyone knows like Koichi's like this dude's best friend and could be. At the drop of a hat, he'd forgive him for everything. And that's Koichi. That's how cool he is. And Sixer's response is like, listen, I'm dead already, so you can drop the nice guy act. But it isn't an act for Koichi. It's not. This is who he is. It's who he is, yeah. Yeah, that's what makes him the hero. Like that, He's like this through thick and thin and for everybody. Yeah. And so Koichi again, it's like hospital time. Like, is this, is, is that what we're going to, you know, agree to do? And Sixers response is at the end of the day, we ain't the same. All I want is meaning proof that I existed, which he could not have obtained if he had followed all for one's orders. Exactly. So he, he says, instead, I want to make a mark on this world before I go. Uh, and then he attacks Koichi, slashes him across the face, giving him, uh, and a characteristic scar of his own. And he says, I tagged you and I left this mark. That'll be a sick scar. And every time you glance in the mirror, you'll remember the weight of responsibility and the meaning of existence uh, and the guy that you couldn't save no matter how hard you tried. And as he's finishing off uh, that particular statement, he leaps backwards off the building uh, and blows himself up. Yeah, and I'm wondering here, do you think that he like triggered the explosion or do you think he was just at his time and like the quirk was coming to its end effectively and and he couldn't handle it anymore and he knew about it does that make sense i think i could see it either way because he does say earlier that the only thing holding his form together was his quirk right um so it could be that he kind of had a sense of what that internal clock might be like or it could be that he triggered himself after accomplishing his actual goal which is to make make this mark and and to be known and he successfully achieves that goal not by killing koichi and fading away into anonymity even though that's what all for one wanted and thought that that's what six wanted um instead he physically scars mars um koichi's face uh and and explicitly even says this is why i did that yeah um so that you will not forget me if nobody else in the world knows who i am what i did who i was you will and that is enough for six and that's awesome it's kind of 
interesting to think about how Six might be overlooking the fact that a lot of people are aware of what he's done, but not of who he is. That's what he wants, though. He wants somebody right. to know who he is. Um, and Koichi's the only person that could do that anymore. Yeah, man, I really like to, like, just going back to what you said about how All for One, you know, is saying, you know, you can finish the job and nobody will be the wiser. And just that disconnect he has between what he thought he engineered versus who Six actually became as an individual. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like such a, a poetic ending to Six. You know, like, at the end of the day, we are all very aware that he had his own motives and he had, like, all these things that he wanted to accomplish that all for one was ultimately not able to control him in the end, you know? And I think that's really cool. He he did get to become the person he wanted to some extent, just not the way he wanted, I don't think. Yeah. And I would argue that by defying all for one, he established himself as other, as individual in a way that he couldn't have. Yeah. Not even just nominally because he would have died and nobody would have known and, you know, Koichi would have died. You know, but I mean, just as an autonomous being by saying to all for one, not explicitly with words, but by rebellion, by, um, you know, by by being disobedient, he says, this is who I am and and I'm going to be me, even not you. Even more so than disobedience, it's like completely ignoring all for one. In none of those panels does he ever respond to to all for one's words. He, he doesn't even yeah. give him any any time of the day, which I think is awesome. And I think it's been that way for a long time. All for one just didn't realize it because he, and I think that could ultimately be one of his biggest downfalls, is that he thinks he's always in control and he thinks he's always right. And he thinks he always has it figured out. And I think this is showing us that he doesn't. Like he, yep. he did not have control over six and he apparently wasn't as aware of that as he should have been. Yep, I agree, hundred percent. So yeah, I like. I feel like there's a lot of uh, kind of like seeds being sowed in like a, a second storyline away from my hero proper. That's prepping what I believe to be, you know, like all for one's fall in, in in the main series here. Like these are just little things that we wouldn't know about if we weren't reading Vigilantes, which is why I'm shocked so many people aren't reading it because it's little stuff like this that's like just really fills out those characters. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't go so far, and I don't think you intended it this way. This is not little stuff. No, um, no, no, no. It is, it is, it is background information that is foundational, but not necessarily essential. And I think that that's the line that Vigilante's toes, um, where it it fills in so much of the background information. You can get by without it, sure, um, but so it's 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 not essential by that merit, but it is foundational, such that. If you read Vigilantes, you do get more, and and you because you get more, you might be able to connect some more dots and make some more sense and understand things a little a little deeper totally uh, than you could have in its absence. Well, back into this scene here, uh, you know the six has jumped off, he has exploded, and we see Koichi not taking the full force of that explosion, but definitely being affected by it. There's like three panels here that are basically copy paste of him taking on at least some of that blast and and then there's like the last few moments of six here and he says you know a delay before all physical sensation cuts off as it's obliterated my brain stretching out my final moment drawing on every memory i've got in there too bad i ain't got a thing worth remembering just a blank slate no past or future but he hears something and it's almost like these memories start to flood in. We get these panels of pop and then in those few days that he spent time with her as Rock Nomura. And even he is like, 
why is this memory sticking out? Like, that's crazy. That wasn't even the real me. Just a fake sham, an imposter playing pretend. But that song was a really nice one. And and we see that same kind of, like, figure that, that has represented Child 6 in a, in a handful of these chapters where he's this kind of blank clay slate-looking character. And, and he's sitting in that cafe, like, laptop in front of him, listening to pop song for the first time and saying that he even started crying on that first listen, which I don't remember seeing as rock, but it's interesting seeing this perspective of him from then and remembering it this way. We are also treated to these visages of pop and knuckle duster as they're overlooking um, possibly this scene from a nearby rooftop. And it's it's pop, this visage of pop that is singing. And Knuckle Duster's visage is like, you're singing for, for him, for Six, and not for Koichi. Um, so this is what Six is hearing, um, even if it is just through his memory, almost like they're sharing this liminal space between life and death, which is something that we've posited for the last uh, couple of episodes of the AMP. And she explains that it's because it's a song about being stubborn uh, and hanging in there, but she would rather talk to Koichi uh, than to sing to him. Uh, and you get this kind of like, well, you had your chance explanation from Knuckle Dusher. He says, well, you, you could have, and you would have, and you should have almost as if, um, you know, that you, you had an opportunity in the past, but that time is gone. Um, and she says that I know, uh, and she begins to reminisce and she says, we had lots of good times together. Now she's no longer talking about six. Of course, she's talking about Koichi so many days or so many talks day after day, but I never told him what really matters. Those chances are the ones that tend to slip away. And this is all I can say as I go, bye-bye, my hero. Um, again, speaking about Koichi, this this dramatic irony that we've known this whole time that Koichi actually saved Pop uh, a long time ago and, and kept that jacket that he wrapped her in and, um, you know, has been for this entire time her hero, uh, even though the, those words have not been shared between the two of them. So it's a really kind of cool scene that gets violently interrupted on the very next page. Oh my gosh, does it ever? I mean, we get this panel of Knuckle Duster like being shocked back to life and Pop is laying in bed and it looks like Midnight is trying to resuscitate her and I mean, it's, yeah, it's brutal. We have Soga standing there and he just says like I said, you don't get to die on us, you old fart. And I, I really like these panels. I thought these were great because we've been without them now for like four chapters. Like we knew something happened to Knuckle Duster and I've you know been saying like, hey, I think this is them in the afterlife, basically. Like we're getting to see their spirits for whatever reason. You called yeah. it. And then in the, I thought you were wrong, but you called man, it. Yeah, I feel good about that one. <laughs> then we've got the next panel here where it's midnight telling uh, the nurses, or at least giving the nurses in that hospital this look of like, hey, I think I got her. And the nurse saying, yeah, she's got a pulse. And Pop is opening her eyes and midnight saying, hey, don't worry, honey. Like, just rest until Koichi can drop by for you. So we, we're kind of getting these resolutions like Pop is alive and so is Knuckle Duster. How awesome is that? Yeah, and then this this chapter kind of resolves in it in its own way as some of the Naruhata Fest members are asking in in this this full page of people kind of the the denouement of the the chaos of the the several episodes long battle between Koichi and Six. Um, some of the members are asking where's Koichi, and we see all these different scenes where he is not, um, but we do eventually catch up with Aizawa, who does find Koichi's body. Um, laying prone on his back uh, and, and seemingly having some blood splatter like down behind his head um, and not moving. Um, he's not sitting up. He's not doing anything under his own power. And that's 
that's where we're left. That's the end of chapter 123. I think it makes sense, though. I mean, we've seen chapter and chapter again where he's literally, like, out of blood. Like, he's just bled out entirely. And the fact that he's even up and walking around is a miracle in of itself. So I think you know, I don't think Koichi's dead. I'd be really shocked if they killed Koichi uh, at the no, end no, here. No, he's not. But dead. I mean, no way. It's a good place to leave. It's a nice cliffhanger here. I will. I will say I really like the one panel that has All Might in his like normal form, and he's like waving to Sukuauchi, like, "Okay, man, I'm here." And nobody around yeah. probably has any idea that that's actually All Might. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sukuauchi doesn't even really slow down. He he kind of you can see it in his eyes that moment of that flicker of recognition. Yeah but he does seem to be moving well past All Might at that time. So, yeah, this is the end, man, of one, of 120, uh, 122? 122 um, and 123, three. yeah. So yeah. we're left and, with three chapters. Yeah, and I think I'd said a few episodes ago that would be kind of silly if, you know, this fight wraps up and then the last three or four chapters are just an element. Um, but it does seem that that's what we're going to get unless, you know, Six miraculously re-embodies himself from his disembodiment, I guess. Um, but I don't... I don't see that. I think that we'll get a couple of solid chapters of resolution, maybe, maybe a time skip. Um, oh yeah, to probably where we see what Koichi is up to these days. That might explain why he hasn't been present in the uh, in My Hero proper, because that's been a question that's been looming large in our minds, especially in light of this particular incident. Uh, so maybe we'll get answers to that finally. And I, I know it's not going to happen, but I would feel really justified if the last panel was like Nezu's eyes opening and it being six. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the disgust oh in your voice, uh, but I do. I think that would be hilarious. Like I, I'm still on the Nezu is evil train. We'll see. Yeah, but I mean, perhaps, but I I, there's no yeah. way Nezu is also six. No, no, no. So. But that would be ridiculous. Uh, man, it, yeah, I get the feeling these last three chapters are going to be like what you said. Everything's going to wrap up. I, I hope we get a small time skip. I'd like to kind of see, like, where where are these heroes in the time after this, but before My Hero proper starts, you know, or maybe even during My Hero. Like, it would be really interesting to see kind of a shot of, like, you know, Koichi and maybe Pop or even Knuckle Duster seeing Aizawa leading these new students from afar and then just kind of having that, like, head nod. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do think that there's some, like, if you think of Vigilantes as a circle and a Venn diagram and My Hero Proper as a circle, that there is some overlap. Um, I don't know how much of that will be treated to, um, but we have much to look forward to uh, as we resolve My Hero Academia Vigilantes in the next episode of the AMP. Well, man, I have heard through the grapevine that we actually may have received some quirkles to talk about this episode. We did. Our listeners remembered that thing that we keep forgetting about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, That's how intentional we are with this stuff. They submit things, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's totally a thing that we've been trying to do. Um, So I do. I have some listener-submitted quirkles. These came exclusively by way of folks in the Discord. Uh, But if you are following us on Twitter or want to shoot us an email, uh, what this is is our jumping onto the Wordle hype train uh, where you can go to a link that we always include in the description of the podcast uh, that will pr- provide you with the previous month's wor- uh, Wordle solutions. So we are recording this in July. It means that we are drawing from the word pool from June. Um, and so Tom Ness and Rawl32, or Lamar, um, has submitted some quirkles, and I have a couple in my pocket as well. So I'll rattle through these, and maybe, Adam, you can react to them if you would yeah, like. Yeah, I'm interested in hearing what people came up with. So Tomac chose the word smite. 
uh, just the word smite, no, no second word. And he says that the quirk enables the user to absorb kinetic energy with their hands, storing it in their body for short intervals before having to expel the energy from their hands as a blast wave. Oh, that's cool. But failure to release that energy would result in an explosion. Man, that's kind of like uh, Bishop from the X-Men. I mean, similar at least. It is like yeah, Bishop. Yeah, that's a really cool, yeah. that's a cool quirk. I like the caveat too of like not expelling that causes it to explode. That could be super dangerous. Yeah, you don't get to store it up is what he's suggesting. Totally. It's, it's a it's a use it or lose yourself kind of situation. <laughs> use it or blow up. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's um, cool. Ness chose the words input and flood. And I was like, what oh, wow. world is he going to do with these? Do you? Okay, what would you do with those two words? Input and flood? Yeah. In that order? Or does it yep. matter? Input, flood. Uh, I guess you could flip them, but he put them in in that order, input flood. What would you do with those two words? All right, this is going to sound totally nuts. I'm just coming up with this on the fly, though. Maybe you have the ability to effectively override the synapses in people's brains, and it's just like you you overload the input because, you know, everything's firing, basically, and keeping our brains going. If you overloaded that input, like with an input flood is the word I'm going to use, with maybe data or like some kind of an information overload or maybe like hormones because all of those are effectively receptors. I mean, that's why we take like antidepressant or anxiety medicines that that block those receptors or inhibit them. Input flood. You said you wouldn't tell. I know, but you know, everybody at this point, right? So the input (laughs) flood is like overloading those receptors. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, I like that. That's... I think that's where my brain went to, but I like what he did. He actually kind of came up with something that mirrored at some point in the Discord. The question was, if you had a quirk, what would it be? And this, what Ness uh, submitted is kind of like what I said mine would, I would like mine to be. Um, So he says, this hero has the ability to slow time in short bursts to take in all of the information on the current situation. So he's able to calculate distance, velocity, force, etc., um, in any given situation. So instead of it being something that you weaponize, you uh, it is something that you internalize um, and can be very strategic and analytic with. That's a cool work. Like. like I can see yeah. a lot of application there, like whether you're a hero or at a card table or just in any, I mean, almost any scenario, being able to pause time, take in everything that's happening around you or in that situation and then prepping it to, to turn back and respond. Like, holy cow, that could be super, super incredible. Yep. So that was input flood from Ness. Nice. Um, and then Lamar, who goes by Raul32 in the Discord, submitted Retro Trait. Oh, cool. And he and I talked about this um, because I had some questions. What he submitted was, when looking at a person... You can reset their skill level of whatever they are doing back down to zero. Like they had never done or practiced that before. So, for example, if you used it on a pitcher, he would lose all of his throwing skill, but he would still be able to do things like cook extremely well if that was something else that he could do. So he says, this is a quirk that could be introduced to keep setting Deku back to zero to keep the show going indefinitely. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, isn't that kind of what, uh, uh, what's her name is? Aerie? I mean, if she could just reset his entire self. Yeah. Yeah, it is a bit like that. And so I, I started asking questions. I was like, is this permanent? And he's like, yeah, it is. And I was like, that's overpowered then. Yeah, dang, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, but he did say that the user has to be staring at the person. The person has to be using whatever the ability that is targeted. 
and that the user has to know what the person's ability is. So for example, he says, if I look at Aizawa, who's using his quirk, but I think his quirk is quirk transference rather than quirk erasure, it wouldn't work. Oh. So you'd have to have some prior knowledge if you were going to target quirks, which I think is pretty That good. is. That's actually really cool. I can see like uh, if you were to team up with the right person, especially like that doctor, you would know what people's quirks are to some extent. Mm -hmm. Man, if you could get, get a hold or, of like the school files, jeez. Yep, I was going to say, or if you're just a villain and can hack into the hero registry or get into school files. Yeah, um, dang. And it's also uh, one of the other kind of, uh, caveats to it is that when you're using this quirk, you have to stand absolutely still, like you're rooted in place. So you are extremely vulnerable. That would probably be the hardest thing. part of that quirk is actually standing still. Yeah. Man, what a cool so, quirk. Uh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Retro trait from Lamar, I would, aka Raw. It would 32. be really crazy too because, like, doesn't I think we've kind of come up with the idea that All for One has an ability to see someone's quirk because that's how he's choosing to steal quirks from people. So like that in combination with with retro trait, that would be crazy. Yeah, all for one doesn't need retro trait. No, no, he doesn't. Like, he he does not need to have it. No. He wants it. He should not no. have it. <laughs> and then I wrote, uh, I jotted down a couple really quickly just so I could participate. Um, I chose the word gloom all by itself initially, um, which the the user of this unfortunate quirk just has cripplingly low self esteem, but. If you pair gloom with the word donor, which was also on that list, then you could project that cripplingly low self-esteem onto others. Oh, no. Almost like if you're all gloomy, you can just be like, nah, dog, this is your problem now, <laughs> um, and, and send it off to somebody. And then I also thought uh, another word on the list was piety. Um, and so it would be funny if you were a piety donor and you would just be like a super successful and effective evangelist where you would take your piousness and your reverence and just be able to shoot it into other people and make them equally pious, uh, even for short periods of time. Maybe they would have some clarity with regards to what it, whatever it is that you understood or believed. So that could be interesting too. That would be gloom donor or piety donor. Did you have any drawbacks for the quirk wielders for either of those? No, I didn't think that much. Man, about for it. the piety one, it would be nuts if, like, when you transferred that, you lost all of your, uh, like, what'd you say, pi pietyness? Yeah, piousness. piousness thank you. <laughs> so, like, you, yeah. you transfer it. It doesn't, like, you don't just inspire, you lose it, and then you have to rebuild it. That would be nuts. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Man, that, that's, that would be interesting with regards to. Christian morality right. anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, that would be like a huge, yeah. yeah, huge, huge drawback to that quirk. I would think that the gloom donor one would just be like, in order to make somebody else doom, you, or somebody else gloomy, you have to be gloomy yeah. yourself. You can't project what you don't already exactly. have. So you've got to be, you have to have some horrible, like, uh, you know, body positivity or something and be like, well, now you feel bad about your paunch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Oh, man, what a horrible, horrible way to spread the hate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, so much fun. Yeah. Man, I'm going to have to sit down and come up. Like, if I can find some time to sit down when I'm not moving boxes or unpacking or repacking things, I'll come up with some of these quirks for our quirkle. Yeah, and anybody listening, you could do this too. Uh, we'll, I'll, and I'll make sure that Adam remembers to include a link. He, he'll be editing this week because I am going to be busy for the next five days, like apart from my computer busy. Right. So when um, I sound really good this week busy. and Adkins doesn't, it's my fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, a link in the description or there should be, or else we'll fire at them. Uh, and it's just a list of solutions to the wordle. So if you're playing that game, uh, 
like be mindful of the fact that you should attempt th- that that your current day's puzzle before you visit this site because it will tell you what it is. Um, but scroll back, depending on the month that, that you're, we are currently residing in on the calendar, go back a month. That way you have a full, complete pool of words um, and then choose one or more and pitch us a quirk. And remember, you're not trying to get us to guess what the quirk is. That's what we did in episode 100. You're telling us what the quirk is. Um, and I think that we're finally starting to get some traction with that explanation. <laughs> Definitely. And I think that will effectively wrap us up for this episode, wouldn't you say? It will. Uh, Adam, is it true that the next time that we record, I'll be looking into your eyes? Well, I mean, you'll be sitting to the left of me, so close enough. Oh, I'll, I'll cut my eyes at you occasionally. occasionally. Well, we might be able to yeah. like swivel the chairs and bring the mics out and just look into each other's eyes while we talk about my hero. I'm not going to look at you at all. I'm going to be looking at my iPad Okay, the whole that's time. fair. <laughs> I was being hyperbolic. But yes, we will be in person recording our final episode, I believe, together. So that's going to be really awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. Final episode on Vigilantes. Well, yes, not, not a not final episode of all things. Yeah, they can't get rid of us that easily. <laughs> Unless right. you fire but me. yeah, this will... This will be, what, the only the second time that we've ever met in person over the course of like three, three plus, plus years. years. Yeah, which is pretty mind-boggling. But, man, that's the kind of the, the one positive thing that I'm trying to pull from the COVID era is the fact that, like, I really, you know, bonded with a lot of folks from across the states. And it's cool getting it. Not even just the states. Like, I've got friends in Australia now and stuff. And so it's like, I don't believe uh, you. well, you know, I'm making believe. So you're right. I'm pretty sure that Mike is just a made up. You think so? Yeah. Well. Oh yeah, Coder Mike doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. Uh, you'll have to let, let no, him know in the no Discord. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm sure it's it's just one of your ghost accounts. That's why you're never in this. I've never seen you and Coder Mike in the same space at the same oh, time. That's a really good way of putting it. You guys don't know I'm in the yeah. Discord, but I am one of those users. <laughs> just not under my real name. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, really, like it's it's cool that like you know we've we've only hung out a couple times in real life, really only once. But here we are, man, like recording podcasts and doing stuff together. Like you don't have to be in the same town to hang out with people anymore. You know what I mean? Doing stuff together. <laughs> we don't live that kind of anime. No, we don't. But best genius does. Yeah, apparently <laughs> he's just a he should be arrested for indecent exposure because he had options. Like, let's be clear. Like the police should have been like, dude, you you had options and you went with this. No, you got you you got to pay a fine at totally, minimum. totally. All right, well that'll wrap us up for this week. We will see everyone in a couple of weeks for our special Individualantes episode, and we will be pulling a winner for that uh, that digital artwork. So you know, get your stuff submitted. So you officially, as of hearing this, have two weeks to send in your submissions to be eligible to win that. Two weeks, 14 short days. So make sure that you email us, hit us up on Twitter, um, jump into the Discord, and let us know what your favorite moment in all of Vigilantes is. By this point, like by the time you're hearing this, you can go ahead and talk about any moment in Vigilantes that you want, because as soon as we stop recording, we're probably going to go and read these last three chapters, let's be honest. All right, have a good night. We will see everyone in two weeks. See you guys. Thank you.